and welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It is Wednesday, 8th of April. Joining me as always, it's Andrew. How are you today, mate? I'm all right. I'm shattered because my computer broke last night and I were up mending it all night. But other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> How about you? Priorities, you've got to get that chat manager You've got to get you? that sorted because there's just nothing else to do. Imagine not having a laptop. It's just... That's a bad time. Yeah, bad I'm... time, isn't it, when there's nothing else to do? So <laughs> I have to get that sorted. Definite priority. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's uh, it's a glorious day today, so um, I hope everyone is uh, enjoying it responsibly and socially distancing Sounds like I'm too bad. Alcoholic drinks there, really. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I thought I thought I'd treat myself today and got a boot sweet being so outside. <laughs> Steady yeah. on. I know. Yeah, I've had a great day. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we're going to um, something a little different this time. Uh, the last couple of podcasts, we obviously uh, took a deep dive into specific seasons, which was extremely enjoyable. I really, uh, really did like doing that. And uh, thanks as, again for everybody who listened and uh, came back to us with feedback and uh, ad- corrections, adjustments, that kind of thing. Yeah. It was, uh, was uh, always good to have that discussion. So we're doing something slightly different today. Um, but yeah, before we get started, just uh, any, uh, any, any tips from the internet of things you've been, um, I guess, uh, entertaining yourself with on YouTube or things you've read or anything like that that you want to throw out there? Well, I'm just like obsessed with the uh, Quickly Kevin podcast with Josh Whittaker and stuff. And um I've been watching because it's like all the podcasts are about nineties football. So I've just been watching loads of nineties football to be completely honest. Like old nineties documentaries and stuff, Club for a Fiver about Leighton Orient and there's only one Barry Fry and all this sort of stuff. Just things that I'm pretty sure I watched when I were a kid but can't remember. And they're all on YouTube. YouTube's got so many good old football videos that yeah, if you if you're willing to search, uh, you'll you'll find some gold. Yeah, I've um I mean, because I, I would consider myself like a uh a heavy user of YouTube, but even I've been surprised at the amount of um, mm. good stuff on there. I've watched uh, I've watched a lot of baseball content from uh, Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Um, actually, United's YouTube channel's been pretty good. They're uh, while we speak, they are re-showing the um, Northampton promotion game from three seasons ago. Have you seen? Yeah, that? yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I did yeah, see. That. I think they also uh... put the United Wednesday game up when the Jaffo scored, and it's probably the worst quality I've oh. ever seen. Of any Just about to say that. So I was, uh, <laughs> I was, yeah, that's one I went to watch, and I was like um, uh, mirroring it to my TV. I thought this would be good, you know. I'd, I'd, I'd never, um, I only ever saw the highlights of that game, and, yeah. and they weren't yes, particularly yeah. extensive. It's awful, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if this is just like a, you know, a, a, a twenty twenty problem thing of like four K picture mm-hmm. quality. It was like this is unwatchable. I can't. It was unwatchable. I can't see the ball. It was a little bit better on my phone, but when I put it onto the TV, I was like, right, this will be good. I'll sit down, and watch this, and like, you know, I've got Chapman in the background, just have this on, keep turning around and whatever, and couldn't see anything. It was like, <laughs> just like blobs wandering up. It was like, like a Commodore sixty four game or something. <laughs> I think even that is clearer to. Uh... To tell what's going on, I might yeah. stick. I might stick with it though, because uh, yeah, it's a, a good moment in United's history. Um, John Helm's commentary as well. You don't see him much, yet, but I think he must have retired now, aren't you, John Helm? I don't know. I, th- I think he's. It must be fairly recently. I feel like he still does sort of. I don't know, sort of international commentary feeds or something like that. I definitely heard his voice not too long ago and was slightly surprised That's by it. Interesting. He must be what? I'm looking now. Uh, he's seventy-seven. It's top effort. Always, yeah. always enjoy that. Um, what have I been? I've enjoyed the Football Clichés podcast, which I've finally gone back to. Uh, Adam Hurry's a, a, a great follow on Twitter, at Football yeah. Clichés. And yeah, for some reason, I even though I subscribed to The Athletic, I thought this was 
only available through like a separate service or something. So I never actually listened to it, but it's it's very funny. It's um it's it's very much up my street. Yeah, you sent me some of like, links. I've not got around to reading them actually myself yet, but um I never ch- ever check my emails. Even less so now. There's nothing actually happening. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I usually I have to DM you to tell you that I've emailed you something. Usually. Yeah, honestly, I'm absolutely off. I've got three email accounts. I've got like a work one, and then the the one that I give you is sort of just my you know what i order stuff on and i'll just yeah I, I, if i'm just looking on it now actually i've got 112 messages so <laughs> need to, probably need to go through that but... yeah. control a delete yeah exactly right uh so what we're going to talk about today we are going to discuss our cult heroes from sheffield united's uh well, i suppose our time watching sheffield united because it's very and I th- this is why i think this will be quite an interesting discussion is because um it's very personal to every person, I think. So I imagine some of the people that we bring up today, some people will listen and be like, what? what? Him? Like, what on earth did he ever do that was yeah. worthy of this level of discussion? Um, but all the same, uh, I, I think it's... Uh, well, I got yeah. a bit anal about it when you, you suggested it, and I was like, well, does he count? Because, you know, yeah. is he... And it's hard, because a cult era... Like, for instance, I'll just, like, say now that I've missed out people such as Monty and Morgan... Um, and people like that, and Pesky Salido, simply because I want it to be people who I don't feel get enough love, rather than people who are cult heroes. Pesky Salido's a cult hero. Every, you know, you, want, you ask every Sheffield United fan what you think of him, they'll say, oh yeah, I loved him. And I've tried to keep away from that and make it about maybe five players that possibly don't get that sort of, res- uh, not respect, but they're, you know, they're not, not as well remembered, shall we say. Yeah, I, I think, because we, we've done this blind, I don't know who you've, um, who you've mm. picked and vice versa, um, but I, I think we, I, I've skewed in that direction as well. Because I would sort of argue that like Pesky Salido is a, a legitimate Blades hero, not, not in the, uh, the class of, say, uh, Brown, Jagielka, or, or you know, Sharp as a more obvious example. But, yeah. you know, he, he did some, he is indelibly linked with some of the best moments in United's recent history, I would say, with that cup run. Yeah, and... if somebody says to you, what substitute would you like to come on for Sheffield United in the history, you'd probably say Pesh, wouldn't you? So... He's got to be in the conversation. Um, the, other yeah. one, uh, the other one that's interesting is, uh, is Chris Basham, who... Yeah, I, I think would definitely have been a. It would probably have been the uh, number one on my list maybe two years ago. Um, mm. But I, I don't think I think he's a, he is a hero. He's a fully fledged club hero now, not yeah. a cult hero. And yeah, so this is. I mean, yeah, this is kind of an interesting discussion about how to define it. And yeah, Basham just become too good. He's missed out by his own <laughs> yeah. his own greatness of play. But yeah, this is what I tried to do. I mean, a couple of others that I've sort of missed out due to that. Stuart McCall, um, mm. we didn't touch on him quite as much as we probably should have in the uh, in the last podcast. Uh, I just think he would, you know, again, too good really to mention as a as a cult hero. Um, but yeah, there's, I, I, when you mention it, I think, well, this is going to be difficult. But I ended up with about like thirty on a list of players that I thought, you know, they, these are really good. Derek Gear is another one who I think, yeah, I think he's. He is loved. He is known. He is well liked. You bring him on a pitch, he'll definitely get a round of applause. And I've, yeah, I suppose I've tried to keep away from plays that you immediately think of like that. Yeah, I think there is. A, there's a, an element of hipster to this. I think isn't there to an extent. I mean, I think I was trying to define it myself, and I thought like it's it's kind of someone whose success you feel almost personally invested in. It's very different to your favourite player. I think. Yeah. Um, a few other things, and some of them kind of contradict themselves, but other things that made me that I thought sort of add to this definition. I think 
I think longevity helps, like somebody who's been around for a long time. Well, you're not like my list then. <laughs> uh, no, no, well, I, well uh, some tick some boxes on mine and, and others don't. Uh, and yeah, by contrast, someone who maybe wasn't here for very long, but burned brightly, not to get too uh, yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, biblical, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. And somebody you developed an emotional connection with. Um the two closest ones who made my, who didn't make my list in the end, by the way, if you want to hear them, is uh, Leon Clark, mm. who I still believe doesn't get anywhere near the love that he probably should for someone who has been involved in two promotions, scored two goals against Wednesday, and was basically like a cheap champ man player, weren't he, for about three months yeah. or something like that. Um, so he was really close to mine. I think that you know he got four goals against Hull. Uh, and I still think like he's, he's still seen as a bit of a... A bit of an outsider, would you say, in the, in that yeah. promote, in terms of like you know when you talk about legends from this team at the moment, I've got no one in this team because I think they are all genuine legends. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. I I'm not sure you can be a cult hero if you're part of a successful team. Ooh, Which interesting. Is, uh, maybe you know maybe Clark contradicts that one a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. The other kind of uh, I don't know qualifier I thought was um, someone who's is kind of limited but always tries hard and gives yeah. a place to the maximum of their ability, I guess. I think that definitely helps, and that definitely covers a few people on my list. Well, the um, majority of mine are characters that I think are characters that I'd like to um, I like to see do well because of what they were like, really, you know, as, like, people and stuff like that, so... Yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's leave... We'll leave um, honourable mentions till the end, I think. And, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise I think we'll just process of elimination everyone out. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, so we've picked. A, have you picked a top five, or have you just? I have a top five. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start start me off? And if it's somebody that I've also picked, I'll I'll jump into the discussion as well. This is controversial. He only played eight games for us. Wow. Yeah, but I loved him before he even joined. Andy Reid. Oh, I like okay. that. Who we had on loan. Did he only Which, play eight games for us? He played eight games for us, yeah. I've checked the programmes and everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the season we were in the Prem under Warnock, he was the second best player I saw behind Paul Scholes. You know, the oppos- best opposition player. Yeah. Who was he, 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 was sorry, at, who was he playing for? At Charlton. And Charlton went down. They were oh, rubbish. Yes. Absolutely awful, Charlton. He was fantastic. And I, I, from that sort of day, this was before, I'm pretty sure this must have been before he went on to play for, yeah, it will have been, wasn't it? Tottenham and Sunderland and stuff. And I remember like thinking, oh, he's a mate. Who is this guy? Well, like Gaza. Do you know what I mean? He was yeah. just so skillful. And obviously, I remember him from the Forest teams before, but he were a lot younger then and in and out of the team. And mm. it made me realise. I think the because re- I've been listening to these quickly Kevin podcasts, and there's one with Matt Ford, uh, comedian and famous Blairite, <laughs> who uh, he said that he's the most skillful player he's ever seen in a Forest shirt. Um, and he's been sporting Forest like since the days of Sheringham, Collymore, Keane, Brian Roy. You know what I mean? Mm. Proper players, and and they all laughed on the on the podcast. And he said, "No, I'm being serious. He's the most skillful player I've ever seen in a, in a Nottingham Forest shirt." And we didn't have him at his peak, but I love some of the stuff he did. He scored a couple of goals. He got a really good goal against Millwall away when we won one nil. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and our and our players were like going mad cheering. He was like, he didn't even celebrate. We're like, all right, calm down, because <laughs> it's only bottom three. And then he, he came as soon as Mickey Adams came in. Uh, he and Leon Britton were basically. Um, replacing Michael Doyle, which whatever you think of Michael Doyle, it doesn't seem like a good uh, swap on paper, that does it? No, not particularly. I mean, yeah. that, that transfer window in, in, in itself, I think they lost Jamie Ward, Kyle Bartley, Leon Britton, Andy Reid, Neil Collins, Michael Doyle, Marcus Bent, and uh, Bjorn Hanna Reese, I think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
So, but in that eight games he played, we picked up 10 points, which might not sound amazing, but we only got 32 points from the other 38 games. So I think it shows just what an influence you were in an appalling side. For a very short while, he was the one reason I used to look, like, look forward going to Bramall Lane, because that were an appalling United team. Probably the worst I've ever seen, to be honest, in terms of, well, the Atkins one were worse, but... I just never felt we we had a chance of winning any game, basically, yeah. that season. Uh, once uh, Blackwell had gone and then speed sort of rain went a little bit sour. And then obviously Mickey Adams came in. But for them, those eight games, I loved watching him play. Nice. I feel like I've probably seen him play more against United than for United, actually. But did he uh, did he score in that game against Charlton or was that 2-0? He did. He scored, and he scored against us in the uh, playoff semi as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, he, he was always a... He was a class player. I was kind of surprised we managed to get him, I think, when we did. I remember when we got him and I was thinking, wow, that's incredible. He must be really unfair. And I think he might have been, but he was still head and shoulders above everyone else. And like I said, it was just eight games. Hmm. And I had a bit of an invested interest in him before because of how well he played against us for Charlton. Because I remember like that day saying, I've, I've seen Scholes, I've seen Gerard, I've seen uh, you know, uh, Ronaldo. Honestly, this guy here has played as well as any of them. So when we signed him, we were quite like excited, and we we went on a deep. I mean, if you pick ten points up in eight games, that's enough to keep you a penny day of the week, isn't it? So, yeah, and obviously, yeah, and then obviously he left, and and that team just became. He left, Jamie Ward left, Leon Britton, and all the all the people that were quite exciting to a certain degree or nice to watch as players all went, mm. and were replaced by these players who, whatever you think of Collins and Doyle and all this sort of stuff, they just weren't on the same level in terms of class. No, I think that's a completely fair assessment. I think the last time I saw Andy Reid was uh, Jamie Murphy powering past him um, in the uh, FA Cup game with Forrest, which may have oh, mentioned yeah. later on. Um, yeah. My number five is uh, is also a goal-scoring midfielder. Who, who Actually, no, he did play for us for a little while, actually. It is Stefan Skugel. He um, was on my shortlist, I'd like to say. Yeah, yeah he was t- very t- much on my shortlist. With uh, all respect to Skugel, I have four proper cult heroes, and then I really teetered on who my fifth one would be, and he just made the cut. I, I think, to me, he was a little bit of a, a kind of turning of the tide player under Clough. Like, he sort mm. of got into the team around the time we stopped being abysmal and became quite good again. I think he made his debut in the FA Cup against um, uh, yeah. Fulham, I believe. So that was around... I'm pretty sure he played up front because did um, mm. Doyle got sent off, didn't he? And I think we took against Porter Fulham, off. Yeah. And I remember being so excited about that that debut from school. And to be fair, that, that entirety at the end of that season was fantastic for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I said goal-scoring midfielder completely tongue-in-cheek because he scored two goals in uh, in the league <laughs> in, uh, in, I think, his entire United career. Um, or, or certainly that season. But Yeah, yeah he, they, he, they got a couple under Wilder, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but, I, you know, he did just... It lifted the mood, and the mood definitely needed lifting at that point. Oh, my God, did it need lifting. Um, and, you know, you could chant his name in a funny way and... Someone near me once yelled "Scooby Dooby Doo," which is always uh, always stuck in my head. I think that's definitely enough to qualify him. But I mean, I think the big thing is he scored the second goal at Wembley against Hull. And yeah. I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, just as a, a bit of an aside, didn't we? And you know, ultimately it came for nothing. But I do think that was one of the, one of my single best moments supporting United, and I'll always oh, remember great. how I reacted to it. And like the next sort of twenty twenty five minutes, including half time, of just utter giddy glee. I mean, I was sat on the. I was sat on like the end of the row next to um, 
uh, next to an entrance down to the concourse. And I just remember grabbing the steward, this young guy. I mean, well, I say young guy, he's, you know, in his 20s, younger than me, I would say. And, um, and just like, just getting hold of him, just shaking him, be like, oh my God, oh my God, we've got, a, we've got a head again. And, you know, you see some of the photos of, uh, of like the fans after that goal and everybody's like not quite on the verge of tears although some people definitely are but there's just this look of utter disbelief that we've we've taken a 2-1 lead in an FA Cup semi-final the concourse at half time because it was pretty much half time wasn't it straight after that yeah, goal yeah, yeah. just so many scenes and I, I believed I genuinely I'm proper negative ever since that Wolves 3-0 defeat where I've always been negative in big games at United, and I thought we're going to do this. This is just this is incredible. The fact that they scored and we pretty much went up the other end and scored straight away. But yeah, that's I think with Schoolgirls, well, he was he was linked with Everton, um, and and at the end of that season, uh, you had a lot of sort of interesting. I, mean, I clearly remember it being in paper, I mean, paper talk, obviously, but hmm. I think it shows it goes to show how well he actually did that in that little spell he had under cloth. And then I don't think he ever hit the heights again, and I think we all expected a lot more from the season after, but. He still, he still did his bit, didn't he? I'm not surprised Wilder kept him in the squad anyway. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I'm genuinely getting a, like, a little bit emotional just talking about that moment again. Like That's how mm. how much yeah joy and excitement at half-time. Absolutely incredible. Just going, you're trying to force your way to the toilet, essentially, just through these yeah. massed ranks of everybody, just like their faces just cracking, basically. It's um, always nice to have a player smaller than me, which <laughs> was as well. So <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, he was definitely smaller than me. Um, he did, Yeah, as you, as you kind of alluded to earlier, he, uh, he also scored in our promotion season under Wilder yep. um, and was released at the end of that season. Um, I was, I mean, I shouldn't have been, but I was really surprised. He's still only 27, so... You know, he's I'm probably, quite surprised at that. He's actually, still yeah. got like another eight years in him or something like that. I mean, it, it feels like a hundred years since he played for us. Like, mm. you know, that that cup semi final does seem like quite a long time ago. But you know, him only playing for it, him playing for us is only like three years ago. But I remember getting the view from when he, cause he went along to Fleetwood, didn't he? Oh yeah, that's right. And they all loved him again there. They absolutely loved him. So like a real spark in their team. Fleetwood were like at that point as well. I think were decent. I think they were going for promotion. Um, and yeah, he was a real spark for them and stuff. I'm actually quite surprised that he's, he's at Carlisle now because I don't know. I, I think he's definitely League One standard. Yeah, yeah, I would have said he, he looked a good League One player. I mean, as, as kind of the Wilder team showed, he was you know a fringe player in an unbelievable League One team. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll uh, yeah always have a fond memory of Scoogs for sure. Um, yeah. who's it? Who's your number four? I've gone Chris Armstrong. Oh, okay. Stretch. Yeah, Stretch Armstrong. I thought he were really underrated, Armstrong. He was. I'm um I'm slightly surprised at myself for not even having him on my shortlist actually. So yeah, tell us I about think, Chris Armstrong. I think in this the squad that we've got now, I think he'd be amazing backup for Stevens. I think he'd be like perfect. You know, in his when he when he's prime, prime I think yeah. he'd be perfect for that sort of um I think he's probably the second best left sided like left back. I've seen since watching United off the top of my head. I mean, I watched seen watching since the Bassett era. Don't remember too many, you know, amazing left backs in that era. Your mate Roger Nielsen. I was going to say, yeah, he's definitely yeah. better than Roger Nielsen. Uh, Tom Cowan was decent and stuff like that. But and then obviously we went on to, uh, you know, in the in the Kendall era, we had um, players like yeah, well, Roger Nielsen again. We're obviously there. And Wayne Quinn, but he, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't really last for him and all this sort of stuff. Then we had the likes of John Arley, who were good for a season, but I felt like when we signed him, we were never really the same again. Unsworth, I thought, looked absolutely abysmal in the Prem. They mm. were good for us in the Championship. Naismith was solid, but I don't think he offered anywhere near as much as going forward. I, I'd have personally kept Armstrong above 
Naismith when Blackwell sold him to Reading. Mm. Um, and he won Reading's Player of the Season the year we sold him as well. And I love to have seen what Wilder had got out of him because I think he's that sort of player. He had every energy and all that sort of stuff. Not good on the ball. Got stuck in. Not you know not scared. And I thought he was really really underrated Armstrong. And I, I, as many people know, he got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, didn't he? Yeah, uh, uh, retire, just twenty seven years old as well. Uh, yeah. And that same year, year is what the same year that he won Reading's Player of the Season. So. In another lifetime, because Reading got promoted, I think a couple of seasons after that, he could have been, you know, a Premiership regular for a couple of seasons. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he played quite a lot for us in the Premier League, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I think we started off with Unsworth, uh, Armstrong on the left wing, with Unsworth behind him, and then oh, yeah. it became pretty clear that Unsworth couldn't run anymore. Although he didn't do bad in the last game of the season, did he? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I liked uh, I liked Armstrong uh, a lot. I do remember back in the day, uh, back in the day. When there was uh, betting booths at um, at yeah. Bramall Lane, and you couldn't just place a bet on your phone, um, <laughs> I do remember him being very short odds for first goal scorer because the bookies had obviously mistaken him for the other Chris Armstrong, <laughs> the, uh, the striker. He was yeah. like four to one to score the first goal for United. Wow! <laughs> I was like, mm, yeah, pr- probably not going to take his odds. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked him a lot. I, I wonder. Why did why did we sell him? Did we just was it we a... had Naismith and Armstrong, and I imagine that they were both on all okay wage. I don't think Armstrong will be on loads. I imagine Naismith were on a bomb. Going yeah, from... and, and then he tur- uh, he turned down a contract from us. Then he to go to drop down a league. I mean. Yeah, and then he yeah, and then he went to Red. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, I mean, I thought Naismith. Naismith were a 7 out of 10 for me. What did you think of him? I liked him, actually. I thought he was very, very good. Not as good as Armstrong, but... Uh, I just think he was yeah. solid, but for the wage you were paying him, we could have had Armstrong probably cheaper. Yeah. There's also like a personal idea with Armstrong. He scored away at Hull. Uh, he had a really bad injury. Ooh, and he came back in and, the promotion season. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, and he scored against Hull. And um, that the, we, we went to that game, we were at the way end, and um, we were at the front row. And then we went into student union about three weeks later. And our massive faces were on this uh, poster from that goal, you know, celebrating. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I owe him for that as well, for scoring that goal and making me famous for about three days. <laughs> nice. is, is that a photo that, like, exists if you search, you know, Chris Armstrong goal? I'm not home? sure, actually. It was, it was used to promote, um, you know, like students, you, the student uni, the university and stuff give, like, cheap tickets away, don't they, and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it was used to promote that. Come and watch Sheffield United and their promotion charge. You know, a picture of me and my mate like cheering with Chris Armstrong, like in you know in front of us, sort of celebrating. So that's amazing. I'm gonna have to do do some more googling. Yeah, I'm not, this. you know what? I've never actually looked for that. Uh, it's funny because there were three of us there actually, and my hand is in the face of one of my other <laughs> mates. You can't see him, so you were never happy about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right, my uh, my number four uh, selection. Uh, well, what position does he play? Is the inimitable Greg Halford? Oh yeah, who... another one of my shortlisters. Ah, nice. So he didn't make the cut for you. He didn't make the cut, but he, he was on the uh, the on, on the shortlist. Yeah, I've put him down as a bit of a not quite as good Jags in the sense that he could play absolutely anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know he, he genuinely did play basically every position apart from keeper in his career. Mm. Um, you know, defense, midfield, attack, fullback, left wing, striker. Started at Colchester. Um, he, he joined us on loan for the 08-09 season, which is the season we reached the playoff final again. And, yeah. Um, and lost to Burnley. He was uh, he was a huge part. I didn't. I, I kind of forgot this, but he played um, 
49 out of our 56 games that season. Um, yeah, it wasn't well liked at the beginning because we'd signed Cottrell, who were a massive fan's favourite. We yeah. signed Cottrell and, Al- and he played Alfred above Cottrell. And I remember like, the early days, everyone was saying, why is he on pay? Get Cottrell on. And then by the end of it, he was like one of our key players. Yeah, although I feel like he was a key player in different positions. Cottrell was like a really good out and out right winger mm. winner. Yeah, I, yeah. Can, I can see that. I probably had that same thought process myself, even yeah. though I, I did yeah, like yeah. Alfred. But yeah, it was um, it was a a big lad, not a not a great athlete, not an amazing footballer, I won't say. But I, I really like quite I mean, good actually. Say again, sorry. I thought it was technically pretty good actually. Yeah, pretty good. Just not. Um, I don't know. I didn't feel like he was the kind of guy that was going to you know dribble around everyone or crack one in from twenty odd yards, unless I've misremembered him slightly. I mean, my, part of my part of the appeal for me was this uh, this utility player thing. That's I mean, you just don't see that anymore, I don't think, do you? I mean, I can't remember any other players in, I guess, time following United who you would say could play in defence, midfield and attack. Anyone? Yeah, but, but, yeah, with success as well. I, yeah. The reason that puts me off Alfred a little bit is is the fact that when uh, we played Wednesday, you know when Wednesday did the double over us? Yes. On the Blackwell, that second game, uh, we had no... Darius Henderson got sent off. Mm-hmm. So we had to play Jamie Ward and Lou Polly, I think, up front. Yeah, that's right. And Blackwell was so long ball that we carried on playing long ball to those two up front, you know, high balls. And then we replaced him with Danny Weber and Billy Sharp as if anything were going to change. Yeah. And everyone was saying, like, this is... I remember after, like, the debate where, why is why is he booting it high to these people? Surely he's got to change his way. And what he did to change his, you know, to change the way he plays is simply just put Halford up front for the next match. <laughs> and but I feel... Yeah, I feel it like really it kind did, of yeah. worked there, yeah, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, like, well, I think it was Plymouth away and we drew 2 2. He scored, actually, uh, Greg Alpha. Mm. But I think that just showed the limitations of Blackwell as a manager that he couldn't change it and, like, say, right, we're going to have to play on the floor. He just thought, I'm just going to put my, my my biggest man up from. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he obviously he scored a massive goal for us uh, in the playoff semi final against, um, mm. against Preston North End yeah. of the. Uh, what a header that is, by the way. I mean, it's a great cross from... Uh, is it, it's Walker, isn't it, I think, on the at right Yeah, yeah. Then. Was it Norton? No, I think it's Walker. It's I think Walker, we'd moved Norton to left-back at that point to yeah, make room right. for Walker. Um, but yeah, no, a phenomenal header. Right, uh, I was right in line with it in the cop as well, so like, just sailed into the top yeah. corner. But um, yeah, I like the sort of underdog factor. You know, we're... If we were going into the uh, the sort of tail end of the season and we're starting our right back up front and uh, he's quite good at it, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I can't quite work out what happened with this season because we sold Beatty mid-season um, and mm. he he ended up being our top scorer at the end of the season as well. Yeah. But it's, it, it's not like I mean you just named him there. It wasn't like we didn't have many forwards. I mean, so what I happened loads to of forwards. He got rid of Billy Sharp as well. Um, okay, so, we, so we sold Sharp during this season. Yeah, and then right. we ended up with like Henderson, Jamie Ward, um, Halford was a good play up there, uh, Danny Weber, uh, and who was the other one? Craig Beatty. Oh, I, oh, I, God, yeah. How did I forget him? Yeah, <laughs> and then we had a real injury crisis in the final, and they were only Craig Beatty fit. Yeah, we somehow finished third that season, despite... Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I always bring the season up when I'm arguing with Wednesday fans who are going about that Carlos season, you know, when they got to a, the playoff final. Yeah. We're like, oh, what a team, that were an amazing team. It's like, we finished third under Blackwell mm. and got in the playoff final, and it was rubbish. The right back up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, a right back up front and a, like a, I don't know, a midfielder, what, Monty and Stephen Quinn, who, yeah, I liked them both as players, but we're not talking the, you know, we... I think that that Wednesday that is so over 
over-egg that sort of period under Carlos where they got to a couple of playoffs. It's like, we did it under Blackwell and that weren't that great, to be honest. Yeah, I think a lot of seasons, a fairly average team gets to the playoffs. It just uh, it just happens, doesn't it? And I, I, yeah, yeah, I think that was probably us that season to an extent. Or certainly, certainly by the end of that season, the way that squad was uh, shaping out. And I think possibly bailed out by the... Uh, advent of Walker and Norton I mean geez where, yeah. would, we, where would we have been without those two so well, I remember the playoff final Walker were like our best attacker yeah yeah and I think Norton was uh, I, I feel like he made a couple of proper like just completely goal saving tackles or stuff yeah, on the line yeah, or something yeah. I I've got a good re- defence in fairness Morgan and Kilgallen with Walker and Norton that's, that's a, probably arguably a Premier League defence isn't it yeah I've not revisited that final so my uh, my events may be slightly uh, slightly misremembered there um, one of the uh, Fine. Uh, two other things actually. One uh, is is this our last player with a massive long throw in that we actually made use of time and time again? I can't can't think of anyone recent more recently than him. I don't know. Clough seems like the sort of a long throw, but not nothing springs to mind. Did Bob Harris have a long throw? Mm, not a not a memorable no. one. If he did, no, I think you're probably right. Yeah, Alfred was like uh, it was like Rory Delap just like <laughs> wanging it towards the goal, and he actually set up the first of Sharp's hat trick goals against QPR with a long throw in. I noticed uh, as I started watching yet another United season review the other day. Um, final thing that I learned uh, that I had not known before, but we apparently tried to sign him from. So we signed him in 2008. We'd apparently tried to sign him in 2006 from Colchester. Um, uh, his own words, we made a big offer to sign him, uh, which was turned down, which I thought was quite interesting. That must have been the year we either won promotion or... Um, oh, it must have been, yeah, either before or after we'd won promotion to the Premier League. So Yeah, 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 it would have been. Uh, yeah. So that would have been Warnock as manager, but Blackwell, of course, would have been the assistant at that point. So um, I know he wasn't, like, was he? Was when he we not... got to the Premier League now, because he'd, he'd gone to Leeds. Leeds were Leeds manager, in fact, weren't they? Oh, I completely forgot that. Who on earth was our assistant at that it's point? Stuart McCall. Oh, blimey. Yeah, Stuart McCall was the assistant in the Premier League, yeah. Oh, okay. Because I remember when Warnock got sacked or left or whatever, um, McCall were on Talk Sports saying, Kevin McCabe told me that um, if Warnock ever leaves, um, I'll be his first choice. And then he got sacked and Brian Robson <laughs> came in. So, like, yeah. mate. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe it was just coincidence then. I thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd stumbled over a, a link there of, like, somebody... Uh, you know, somebody we'd earmarked in 2006 and then finally were able to sign in uh, in 2008. But, um, yeah, he, uh, where did he go after us? Old, uh, old Everywhere. Alfred. Yeah, he played for Forest, And, in fact, he in that same game I mentioned earlier, he handballed it for the um, uh, the penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course he did, yeah. How about that, yeah. Yeah, blimey, he did go everywhere. Wolves, Portsmouth, Forest, Brighton, Rotherham, Birmingham, Cardiff. And I don't know if he's still playing, but... Um, Aberdeen as well. Yeah, but Warnock ended up getting him for Rotherham, didn't he? Um, when he uh, went way past his best. Um, but I think he did all right from there. I remember, I remember Rotherham fans not liking him at start, and then by the end they, they really liked him, and he got a decent move to Cardiff after, which were a Warnock again. Warnock again, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it was a, a Warnock connection after all. But yeah, I liked uh, I liked Halford. I liked the uh, underdog story of um, just just shove the right back up front and see what happens, and it actually works out <laughs> quite well. Um, it, it was your number three. Same season, played a lot less games. It's only 12 games for this one. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, and it's Sunji High. <laughs> okay. 
I'd, he were mental. Can you remember Sanjay Arms? Yeah, 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 I remember Sanjay Arms. Again, another one I'm surprised only played that amount of games. Yeah, he I, he got sent off in, in his first match in a friendly after two yellow cards in 20 minutes. Really? I didn't know <laughs> that. But he just carried on from there, really. I, he would, his, his tackling was insane, but it was a really, really good player. I think people seem to forget how much of a fan's favourite he were when he first came. Hmm. I remember him turning round to the cop and giving like a thumbs up in the middle of the match when they were singing his name, like as the game was still going and stuff. And um, he was genuinely two-footed. Like, he was really calm. He, you could see why he played in the top flight. Really, really sort of... Not a Blackwell sort of player at all. But unfortunately, we're also two-footed with his tackling. He was just absolutely <laughs> mental. Like, I always recall one game, I think it was Cardiff at home, where he lunged into a Cardiff player, like a proper karate kick. And me and my mate, like, turned to each other, just didn't say anything, just his eyes wide open, going, like, with his mouth open. Referee didn't give a foul. It was such a blatant sending off. Then a couple of games after that, he got sent off against Coventry, and I think Blackwell just decided he was too much of a liability, which were probably one of the better decisions Blackwell made, to be completely <laughs> honest. But I loved watching him flying into tackles with no remorse. He just he was a really skillful player, really classy player. Hmm. But his tackling made him just on that edge of insanity as well, which is all you know, all the best sort of geniuses are. Um but he only played one more after that Coventry game in the in the cup, which was Carl Walker's debut, and then we never saw him again. He went to Chengao Blades. Um, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, weird. but I I remember him for a very short spell again being a real, real fan's favourite. I, I actually looked at a thread on the S2 forum just to make sure it weren't my mind playing tricks on me that <laughs> people actually did like Sunji. And there's like about three or four threads on there from the time saying like he's the best fullback in the division and what a sign. And then it just all sort of ended badly when he were karate kicking his way around the pitch. <laughs> Yeah, so he's loan, failed to settle in Yorkshire, it says here. Mm, uh, yeah. Loaned to uh, Cheng, Chengdu, or Ch- I think it's I Chengdu. Don't, actually. I don't buy that he failed to settle in Yorkshire when... You were living, living in Manchester? In, you were living in Manchester, so it's not that far away, is it? Go back to Manchester if you want, it's not... Yeah, no no, uh, no offence to Mancunians, but it's hardly a complete culture shift, is it? No, really, From Manchester no. to Sheffield, I mean... I don't know where he was living. He probably didn't even actually need to move house. I mean, on the one hand, it was good that, you know, because he left, we had to sort of bring Kyle Kyle Norton in. Mm. Uh, And then Kyle Walker eventually after that. We had a lot of good right-backs, because obviously Alpha could play there as well. We had a lot of good right-backs that season. Mm. Uh, And then the seat back, but it's mad because we had Halford, Sunjai, Norton, Walker. The season after, we had none of them at all. Um, We were having to play like Ryan France and Rob Kozluck and, you know... So, yeah, I, I, to, as part of this, I looked through historic squads like year by year, and uh, oh, around around that period you've just mentioned, it's uh, it's not great reading, is it? Yeah, the, the sort of uh, the transformation from playoff champ- championship playoff team to uh, championship relegation team, and then mediocre League One team is, yeah. It's not I mean, great I understand. That, I mean, I read in the programs, and obviously in the in the. Web page again. Everyone's like, we've got to sell. We've got to sell to uh, keep the balance the books. And I understand that, but there's only one thing that's going to happen if you continue and like continuing to sell your best players and just buy complete rubbish, basically. And it's yeah. not a surprise by the way, how quick that team changed that player final team to the one that went down. It's like a completely different team, and it's so bad. Yes, indeed. All right, my number three, and I reckon this is, uh, I think this is one we might agree on, although we might both have picked. It is one Chris Porter, striker extraordinary. I've not got him. Have you not? Okay. Well, I've not got him on my shortlist. I, I think I didn't pick him because I thought you might. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, 
Oh, where to start with Porter? Um, yeah. In fact, I'm going to start with... Uh, I, I also went to the S2 forum and um, mm. cherry-picked a few quotes. Uh, with Names all remain anonymous. Um, a player who was in and out of our team, I think. He, he signed uh, yeah. in 2011 from Derby. Um, and he, he started the first game of that season under Danny Wilson, the um, the win away at Oldham. So he was... He was signed as our first choice striker ostensibly, yeah, and was, then yeah. yeah, yeah, dipped in and out of the team for the next few years. Obviously, he ended up um, uh, well playing in inverted commas for several managers because he actually went out on loan quite a lot as well. Um, but but stuck around. He, he sort of he's one of these players that kept going out on loan and then basically coming back and, and finding himself back in the uh, in the first team. But yeah, some of the some of the quotes um, he doesn't get played because he's useless. The only thing. Um, <laughs> The only thing Chris Porter is the answer to is the question, who is the luckiest person ever to become a professional footballer? <laughs> That's how far we've fallen when Porter comes back into the team. Porter at least gives us a laugh. Oh, dear. That was around uh, around 2014. Um, as I say, he became completely surplus to requirements. He went out on loan to Shrewsbury. Uh, but then he scored in his first match back and then was back in the starting lineup after Wilson was sacked. Went out on loan again to League Two to Chesterfield. Came back under Clough, who he played at under Derby, I believe. Um, and then under Clough, he, he went on a bit of a tear. And, and I think this is the point where he, he moved from player I thought was like pretty rubbish at League One, like a pretty rubbish League One player, to someone I... I don't know. I mean, it just a, a literal cool hero. I just became like slightly uh, invested in him doing well and like proving us all wrong, I suppose. And he ended, yeah. up, uh, he ended up scoring 11 goals that season. Um, yeah, I think we're a top goal scorer, weren't they? I think he was, yeah. Uh, which you know, you could probably say says says a lot about the relative strength. <laughs> Very of true. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised he only scored twenty three goals for us in his Blades career um, in one hundred and eighteen appearances. I, f- I feel like I was there for all of them and personally witnessed every one of those goals. But yeah, I just uh, you know, he, he, I guess his best moments come in uh, in the FA Cup. Um, he scored two in that game against Nottingham Forest, which. Got to talk about in a, a little bit of detail, I suppose. So that was that was on our, our route to the semi-finals to that whole game, yeah. Um, and yeah, playing a Andy Reid-inspired Nottingham Forest, who were one 0 down at half time. Uh, Connor Cody gave us the equaliser, and then we win a penalty. And one thing Porter can do is score a penalty, and uh, stuck it away in front of the cop. It was late on that, wasn't it? I think it was like the. 88th minute or something like that. And it was yeah, his first yeah, yeah. first touch of the ball as well. He had not touched the ball since coming on. Stuck the penalty away. And then with his second touch, made it 3-1, knocking one in on the goal line. And yeah, and that was... That, midway through the first half of that game is when the draw were made. And it looked like we were going to be playing Wednesday, didn't it, in quarterfinals? This was Wednesday in Charlton in the... Uh, the other and I think everyone expected Wednesday to be Charlton because that Charlton team were really, really rubbish. Including Wednesday fans, we should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> they think they're going to beat everyone, aren't they? So... <laughs> Yeah, um, he scored against Fulham in the round before as well. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, I still remember the if Porter scores were on the pitch and then away at Fulham if Porter scores were in the Thames being sung. So I remember seeing the, the programme for the FA Cup semi-final and Porter on the front and laughing out loud. I said, how's he got on front? <laughs> <laughs> FA Cup semi-final. So I remember people with, in fact, I think my dad had one. I remember people with Porter masks on the way to the semi-final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're all that Porter for England stuff, weren't they? I think I put a Facebook. <laughs> 
uh, message up of him on I literally on top of a plane saying this guy's going to Brazil. So <laughs> I love it. Brilliant, were brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. He was. He was a severely limited footballer. Um, you know, most recently spotted missing an absolute sitter for yeah. Plymouth. I think it was. Um, but you know, he tried. He scored some goals. He scored some memorable goals. He was one of those players. You sort of. I couldn't quite believe when they hit the back of the net, but they yeah. did. He, also, he, he was another one who scored a goal that sent us to Wembley, actually, with um, uh, a header in the playoffs against Stevenage. Of course, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, can you Stevenage, that? Right Scraping past Stevenage to oh, get to yeah. a playoff final, we ended up losing. And he did his punch celebration that he did. <laughs> I don't remember that. He, was he, that? he always, he, every time he scored, he just did a like a punch, like you know, <laughs> almost like like an uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> Played too much Street Fire. Um, <laughs> it was weird how his career ended. I actually found a, a quote from you that I was going to use, but then I realised it was um, it was it was well, maybe I should have just kept it actually because it was very very accurate. Um, we oh, gave great. him, we, yeah, we gave him a new contract at the end of that season in twenty, yeah, the summer of twenty fourteen. Um, so I'm, I'm just quoting from Wikipedia here, uh, but there is a source, so it's probably accurate. Um, we had the option to automatically extend his contract by 12 months following the expiry, but we decided to um, give him an alternative one-year contract instead on reduced terms, apparently, instead of letting him go. And then he just um, he just barely played for us again, so we basically gave him a new contract, admittedly on reduced terms. Yeah, but and never played him. We just, yeah. And, then, and then, then we brought in the great Michael Higdon, so... <laughs> <laughs> And then in uh, yeah in January um, we we were basically shopping him out. He was uh, he was allowed to leave on a free transfer. So pretty bizarre. Yeah. He had a bizarre time here. But I really uh, I, I really I don't know. I can't honestly say like I liked him as a like I liked seeing him play for United. But I always I always had a sort of extra big smile on my face when he scored or when he did. Yeah, good, it's a weird one because it wasn't absolutely terrible. Mm. But he was pretty rubbish. Yeah, he was <laughs> really well liked. It's, 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 yeah. it's a really weird sort of combination that, that yeah, it, really weird combination for a player that I don't think anybody at the time would. Uh, did anyone ever think, well, Glad Porter's playing today? <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, not even I thought that. <laughs> I was just. But it was uh... really well liked. Like now you see it and you know he scores. Well done, Ports. Well done, mate. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Uh, it went to the same school as James Beattie as well. I learned that while doing my research. Two very different trackers. <laughs> Let's take a very quick break to tell you about one of our sponsors, Beer 52. Beer 52 are offering a free case of their handpicked beers to Bladespod subscribers. All you need to do is head to beer52.com slash Bladespod, sign up and cover just the £4.95 for postage, and they will deliver a case of eight free beers direct to your door, meaning you barely need to leave the sofa to sip delicious craft beer from around the world. Because these aren't just any beers, Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer and deliver it straight to your door. They don't hold you to ransom, you can leave at any time with no cost to you. Sign up today and get your free case of craft beer, get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the numbers 52.com slash bladespod. Now back to the podcast. All right, that's that's number three for both of us. Who's number two for you? Another striker. It's Neil Shipley. 
Yeah, he was on my short list. Go ahead. Um, not going to talk about what he's up to <laughs> these days, but um, yeah, and maybe maybe promotion? don't Google that as well. Yeah, don't, yeah, mate, yeah, don't. Uh, when you think of that promotion season, I think you, your first thing you think of is Jags, Tong, Kenny, Morgs, you know what I mean, Weber, Morton. But Shipley really gets mentioned, I don't think, or don't, doesn't get remembered that much, but I think he was as influential as anyone that season. And he were really, Warnock loved strikers, as everyone knows, obviously, <laughs> but when he got a bit of money in that season, he just went mental, didn't he? <laughs> and he like, but yes. I can buy you Northfield for three million. And then Bruce Dyer came in, and Shipley just sort of was dropped completely for about a, m- a month, two months. Can you remember this? Where mm. we brought Akinbay and Northfield, Bruce Dyer were in there. Uh, we obviously still had Danny Weber and Cabra and stuff. And Shipley just... Horsfield around then? Yeah, yeah, that's Horsfield. Horsfield were in there as well, yeah. And and, and Shipley, it would have been amazing, was just sort of dropped. And then yeah. all of a sudden, Leeds were like three points behind us. Um, and then Shipley got reinstated to the team. And we ended up going up. And I looked into the facts of this. And United actually only won one game all season where Shipley didn't play. What? Yeah, really? Honestly, honestly true. Yeah. Wow. Play, there were only nine league games he didn't play in. And we only won one of them. And that, that was a is... 4-0 win away at uh, Millwall uh, where Vincent Pericard scored a couple of goals. But yeah, that is true. Nice. Um, yeah, I remember seeing him in a preseason friendly for against um, uh, Matlock. And being like, this guy is very large. I remember when we signed him thinking, why have we signed this idiot? I think he just sort of... I think, did he score the playoff? Yeah, he scored in the playoff final the year before for Palace and they, they released him immediately. No, that's right, yeah. Uh, I mean, it definitely felt like he was coming to the end of his career at that point. I mean, he must have been... Very much 30, so, yeah. 2005. Yeah, so he'd been 31, I think, or about to turn 31. Um, it was an old 31, though, weren't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, not the most athletic of footballers. It wasn't a Billy Sharp sort of figure. No, indeed. Um, but yeah, but I, 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 I just thought, I, I, sorry, I just thought that he would, you know, in that sort of, that team of, of, that, that went up and stuff, I thought he were absolutely integral. He were fantastic. He held it up. And I, I'm glad we didn't play him in the Premier League. I think that would have been way, you know, a step too far for him. But mm. at the same time, I just thought that record of only losing one game when he wasn't in the team, just sums it up for me how good it was that season. Yeah, now I do. Now that you've said it, I do definitely mention. Sorry, definitely mem- remember that uh, feeling of like Warner could just messed around with the team and like disrupted everything that was good about it. And no yeah, idea what you were doing. I really have no idea. Like, were, uh... Team like from. I mean, we ended with the team that got us. You know what I mean? Akinbay were back on the bench. Horsfield had gone. Bruce Dyer were nowhere to be seen. We ended with the team that got us in that good position, but he just went mad. He got Gary Flitcroft in. Can you remember that signing? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Was this and around he, the he, time... Go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say he brought these players in and as if to... I don't know what he was trying to do. I, I know we talked about Warnock last time. <laughs> the, the more I think about it, the more I think he was pretty lucky to get us promoted. Um, and as in he was lucky to still be here to have the opportunity to get us promoted and this was almost like he was trying yeah. to self-harm his way out of a promotion situation that season and I think again not to talk too much about what we talked last time but we were saying about the 0203 season we remember more fondly than this season where we actually did get promotion because it became like a like oh my god we're gonna mess this up aren't we like can we please just drag ourselves over the line from this amazing position we've been in to start the season and yeah yeah uh, Shipley yeah he scored uh he came back in the team well he must have been back in the team already but um scored the first goal in the 3-2 win over Hull didn't he that kind of semi sort of clinch promotion for us 
Um, yeah, yeah, it was a good finish. Yeah. I just looked it up. 11 goals that season in that team. That was decent return for someone, as we say, who was kind of signed on a free transfer and at the end and of the It career. must have been all for him as a, you know, seeing three strikers come in and, you know, and two of them big money signings, uh, Orsfield and Akinbaye, I think. And then obviously sticking around and, and coming back and once again leading the line and being the main man. Yeah, I liked him. Good old, uh, good old ships. Ships, yeah. Good shout. Um, my number two, uh, yeah, okay. So I did, I did sort of flip-flop between which of these I would pick. Um, I mentioned him last week. My number two is Rob Kosluck, the yes. p- perennial Rob Kosluck. Is he is he on your list or is he a short He's not, again, purely because I thought you might pick him because of yeah, what I was talking about him last week. And I thought, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hinted, hinted pretty heavily. I think he is. So when I was going to give him my What Makes a Cult Hero and uh, I had the two things that very much speak to Rob Kosluck. One is longevity. He was here for almost a decade, actually. With United, um, mm. what was it? Three hundred and sixty? No, sorry, that was his career appearances. Two hundred and thirty-six appearances for us across nine seasons. Um, and the other one is someone who's kind of limited, but also always tries hard. And that is yeah. definitely what I felt with Kozlak. It was like it, it was. I mean, because he he was another one who was kind of sent out on loan quite a bit. He went to Huddersfield, Wigan, and Preston, and he always won his place back in the team. And yeah. I think he, what did he do? He joined under Bruce, I believe, and then played under Heath, but the vast majority of it under Warnock. Yeah, um, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, that is right. Yeah, Bruce, who signed him, yeah. Yeah, so it became the fact that Warnock kind of loaned him out three, I think it was Warnock that loaned him out three times, but certainly a couple of those times at least, and and still kind of trusted him to be part of what became a successful team. I think kind of says it all. He was just sort of, you know, he, he was just quite reliable. You know what I mean? It sounds like the sort of most damning with faint praise imaginable. Like, oh, the, you know, he, he was quite reliable, wasn't he? He didn't, he didn't always mess it up horrifically. I think you'll probably get this, actually. I think some people probably say, Kozluk, you were rubbish. I agree with you. I thought I, I thought you were all right, Kozluk. I thought he did all right in the Prem as well. I thought it, it was just the... I won't, I won't say it was steady. That's that's the, definitely the wrong term to use for Kozluk because there was some insane things that he used to do. I remember he used to try and do the same trick and take people on all the time. Is that the way we just like, like check inside? Check inside. And I remember him <laughs> losing it against Wigan and Warnock just having his head in his hands like, well, no, what have you done? Um, but yeah, I, I liked him. He was fast. He, he, you knew you were going to get everything. But I think possibly the best thing about him was how well liked he was. And, you know, I remember when he, I think it's in Warnock's book actually, where he says hmm. uh, the first thing Brian Robson did was uh, get rid of Kozlok. Um and he says I think people don't understand what someone like that means in the dressing room. Yeah, he's, he's always talked about as a uh, a real character, isn't he? Mm. From a lot of uh, a lot of players who were playing around that sort of time. Sharp and uh, I think Sharp and Morgan both mentioned him actually on the um, yeah, and he still comes back for talks and stuff, don't he? And it mm. wasn't, and this is from a player who wasn't, as you say, the reason you picked him is because he wasn't the best and he wasn't the. You know, he's not a star player or anything, but the fact that he still comes back and gives talks and stuff and, you know, evenings with Rob Kozluck and stuff shows what a character he was. Yeah, indeed. And it's it's kind of amazing and also sort of lovely that he played for us in the Premier League. I think, you know, that, yeah. that sort of, when I think back on that, that warms my heart a little bit that, you know, someone who is probably most closely associated with that cross in that Port Vale game where we lost at home to Port Vale under Adrian Heath and under no pressure at all in the second half, he just put across about 30 rows back into yeah. the cop and the, yeah. what was left of the crowd went absolutely bananas at him. But, 
Yeah, there's something nice to think that he was part of that promotion team. And then, yeah, I think he played 19 times for us in the Premier League, which is a, a fair bit. And that was yeah, a limited Premier League team. team. There. Like, that's more than half the games, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, any you know, he could play left and right back as well. I mean, he was very right-footed, I think. But, you know, filled in at left back, I think that was part of the appeal for Warnock, I think. Yeah. Um, that, that uh, he was involved in all the best Warnock teams, basically. Mm. And uh, all the worst ones as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the right. teams, yeah. But obviously he came uh, back, didn't he, under Blackwell as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, this surprised me a little bit, but I think, you know, this is when, this would be my counter-argument for anybody that's like, he was absolutely terrible, what are you on about? He um, he was 34 by the time that he played his first game outside of the top two tiers in English football. So he had a very long career in the top two divisions of English football. Mm-hmm. So... Can't be that bad, really. But it would amazing as a defensive midfielder on one of the early Chapmans as well. <laughs> I wondered <laughs> so, yeah. if that sentence was going to end in uh, fiction rather than reality. Yeah, well, yeah, he got in the England squad and everything, so he never quite like fulfilled his potential for me. But <laughs> yeah, King Coslock. He did play for England under twenty ones. I didn't realise that until uh, researching it. I completely forgot he had a couple of games for the under twenty ones in ninety eight. I think it was under Peter Taylor. Um, but yeah, uh, he was a player who. Again, it's a little bit of an underdog story. You know, he was signed in '99 as a part of a swap deal with Derby for Vasper Bokis, which is like that's a tough act to follow it when you're really a right is. back, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I, you know, I constantly thought of him as like this guy from Derby who, you know, Derby in the Premier League at that point so it's like it must be good, surely. And then you see mm. him, and it's like oh, I don't know actually. Um, so the fact that he was still playing uh, nine seasons later, and he, mm-hmm. as I say, played uh, almost 250 games for us. Yeah, I remember when he uh, came back. He didn't really make. He didn't really play much under Gary Speed. I don't think um, when he when he came back. Blackwell signed, and then obviously Blackwell got fired. But he he, he played quite a lot under Mickey Adams, uh, and, and Mickey Adams ended up actually buying him again for Port Vale yeah. once he'd uh, left us. Nice King Kozluk. Yeah, always. Uh, I think because. Um... You know, the start of his tenure with us coincided with uh, some pretty bleak seasons, I guess. You know, that that kind of, uh, what is that? We did our re- retrospective of 97-98 um, mm-hmm. and then we jumped to 0203 and the years in between that were not good at all. Yeah, people um, are asking, aren't they, for the uh, more depressing years. Someone asked for the, the championship relegation season today. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I saw somebody do it the other day. I'm not sure I can do that. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd like to do it, but I think we have to have like the most depressing set, you know, Radiohead, Joy Division, everything in the background as we're speaking and stuff. And yeah, um, I don't know. I quite like going back through awful seasons because I think it just makes you realise how good we've got it now, or whenever it starts again. <laughs> I think. I think I'd quite, in a weird way, I'd quite like to do the Premier League relegation season because um, I think that might exercise yeah. some demons, and I think there's quite a lot to say about it so yeah we'll we'll see we'll see uh how much time we have i suppose and if we're willing to uh to, i don't know to to rip that plaster off the wound i guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see how that goes um if i nipped in front of you have you given us your number two yeah give you a number two with shipley yeah shipley of course yeah so who is your number one cult hero like this, in your time but younger days? people might not know this guy and i only remember him playing Fairly vaguely, but I know the stories of me. It's Dougie Hodgson. Mm. Who, okay. Yeah, right at the start of the time I started getting Yeah, centre-half, who uh, brought him a Colvier after a pressing on tour in uh, Australia. He used to be a bouncer and a kickboxer, and he was like proper hard and proper mad as well. 
we signed him after kicking Nathan Blake to the point where Blake apparently turned around and said, it's only a friendly. Massive <laughs> like, right, he'll do for me. I love him. He made 38 appearances. But he's, the reason I loved him is because looking at the old program stuff, his interviews were absolutely fantastic. He, he once said a Paul McGrath, you remember Mercer McGrath through his drug problems? Uh, uh, sorry, I almost said something really disparaging about Paul Merson. So I'll just say yes. Yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough, yeah. Uh, when he was going through his drug problems, uh, uh, they asked uh, Dougie Hodgson what he thought about it, which is a bad thing to do anyway, and he just said, he's a loser. He pays for stuff that I get for free. <laughs> which Bassett <laughs> had to warn him about after, about his comments to the press. And then about two like sort of weeks later, there's another thing. Like, this is not in the programme. This is in like a, a magazine, United uh, thing. And he said, like, uh, the best thing about football is the fighting. Uh, and if he ever scored for United, he would uh, relieve himself in the middle of the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> did he ever score? He did, but I don't think he did that. I think we'd have known about that, to be fair. But, to, uh, but the uh, best you... thing about him is that he got injured fairly early. He got injured all the way through his career because he was a head case, basically. But he got injured really early on into his career and he became co-commentator for Radio Sheffield. You know, like doing what Edwards does now. Huh. No way. Yeah, and one game he dropped like the mic and the uh, and his earphones and started on the away fans <laughs> just, like, <laughs> halfway through the match because they were like giving some of our fans some stick. So he just joined in and started, you know, like having a go at the away fans. Uh, he once said, "I'll say it myself. I am hard. Uh, maybe it's anger or stupidity, but I'll put my head anywhere." And it's just amazing. Yeah, and there's another. The stories never stop. I'm only going to say a couple, but there's one story where a rival fans tried to get to him because he broke the. Uh, an opposition player's jaw who I can't get the name of and I can't remember but um, so the opposition fans like tried to tried to attack him in his car next thing Hodgson comes out waving nunchucks around (laughs) why why you not uh, you should be turning this into an article or something you should be doing I I should do yeah I mean I took a bit from Sheffield Star there's a couple in a a couple of uh, magazine things I've got and then a a book about Dougie Hodgson as well Um, but he were injured a lot um, but he was that well liked by United fans. They used to actually visit him in hospital uh, when he were injured, like he had his more serious injuries. And then he used to invite United fans around to his house for parties and stuff. That's quality. Which is, I love it. Yeah, and he was first choice under Kendall for a long, long time, which I think everyone like sort of saw him as this big, hard defender, which he was. But he wasn't a bad player. He was a decent player. He would have played a lot more mm. if he wasn't con- constantly injured. And the only reason he ended up losing his place is he had a double fracture to his nose, which... Uh, so him lose his place, and we swapped him for Nick Henry, you know, Oldham. Mm, yeah, uh, I do remember him. And, and he, he did an article with Star last year. He said he had to retire after a, a disc exploded and hit his spinal cord, which seems suitable. <laughs> uh, and he ended up marrying a Sheffield girl and still like, supports United today, uh, even though he lives in Australia. He said he sent Wilder a message last season says he wasn't jealous of him getting promotion. He was jealous of the two-week bender. It looked like the team had gone on. <laughs> uh, but he says United will always be his club. And I just think that for a player who come from a different country, didn't play much really for us. He was there for three years, but he only played 30-odd games. Mm. Well, I, I can't, this was a massive impact in our well. You know, people who visit him in hospital and stuff. That First time I heard about that like after this were coots, weren't it? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Nice. That's a, that's a really good one. And... Uh... I, I appreciate that extra research as well. There's definitely um, there's definitely an article there. I think. Yeah, and pulling uh, some that together. He's, I think he's he's got a bar now in Australia. Um, and so, by the way, I'm just going on a tangent. I've just listened to a quick Kevin podcast. You know, remember Anders Limpar? 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you know what his bar's called? It's quite obvious now I've said it. Is it Anders Limp Bar? That's correct, yeah. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. They, they brought it up on there, it's Anders Limp Bar. But yeah, Doug Yotto's... No, it can't be. Honestly, it's he's... he's, he's Andr- well, that's what they said anyway. I mean, I've not, I've not uh, verified it, but Anders Limp Bar... <laughs> oh my word. But yeah, has got a bar in Australia, but uh, watches all the United games and stuff, and yeah. He, he actually does have a bar called Limp Bar. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> nice. That's uh, that's a, a a fantastic entry for uh, Cult Hero Number One. I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm also going for a defender. I'm going more recent. Um, and it is John Brayford who, mm. uh, again, slightly surprised you didn't mention, but this is, yeah, um, what to say about Brayford? I, I think, so I've got a couple of things that really are the reasons that he kind of stands out above the crowd for me. I mean, in terms of uh, longevity, not even close to, uh, well, even to Porter, I think, never mind Kozluk or someone like that. But he was like, to me, he was he was a light in dark times, not to get all sort of Lord of the Rings about this. It was, you know, things were really bleak and I was kind of checking out of United, I think, at that point of my mm-hmm. life in terms yeah. of like, sod this, you know. I, I was uh, I was living away from Sheffield at that point. We just, the last, I think the last four or five away games I'd been to and it became a bit of a thing with my mate who was um, uh, another blade living in London where it was like, I had a really good day today until we left the pub to go to the ground. Yeah. yeah. These away matches. And I was like, should we just not go anymore and save the money? Instead? That happened to me a couple of, I was working a lot of afternoons at that point. Um, uh, when, when David Weir was manager mm. and even the games I went to, I didn't, I didn't, it, it was, it's weird now because you go to the games now and you're, you're genuinely excited, aren't you? Yeah. About, not just because it's the Premier League, you're like, God, this is going to be good. Even in League One underwater. Yeah. Yeah. After about half yeah, a season, it was like, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, and it didn't always work. You know, We had a couple of bad games, obviously, like Fleetwood and stuff like that spring to mind. But we knew that night, you know, the, the, the chances are we're going to see a good game of football from us at least anyway. We're going to see something a bit special from players we like. And I remember going to those games under David Weir and just not really knowing why I were there, if that makes sense. Mm. Sort of, like, this is... I, I'm going because I feel like I have to, but... I don't know every club has those sort of periods, but it were a weird time, weren't it? Yeah, it, it absolutely was. And um, he signed on loan from uh, uh, Cardiff, wasn't it? Yeah, he'd, he'd been um, he'd been at Derby uh, under Nigel Clough. Mm. Um, and he, he sort of quickly, to me, became one of the few players that it looked like he belonged in the league above. And you could definitely not say that about the vast majority of that squad under in the... Um, in the weird uh, Clough season, so Clough's first, yeah. what, higher half, two-thirds of a season, whatever it was. Um, the other thing that he did that really qualifies him for me is um, it was the first time I became aware of a United player using social media as like a full-on charm offensive yeah. to be like, yeah. I, I'm so, you know, I'm so happy to be here. You know, I, I think almost as soon as he signed, he was like, um, you know, tweeting the words to Chip Butty's song and like, mm. you know, he... he you can take that as cynically or otherwise as you want, but I loved it. I, yeah, I needed that. I know. I mean, Henderson does it and stuff, and I know through people like sort of turning hours up at it and stuff. But you know, it's better than just sort. Of, I mean, it's not a big thing that he's done, but he's trying to engage. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good. Yeah, and it just—I I, just—I needed it at the time. I was like, "Wow, this guy actually wants to be here. He, like, he, he cares enough about the club that he's, you know, looked up the words to this song or somebody's told him and mm. he's 
tweeting the words and you know he's and i think it just shows as well that something like that how disconnected we probably were as a fan base uh, absolutely until, that and absolutely. to be honest that that coincided didn't it with the prince coming in with jim phipps he was quite a big presence on social media as well and keeping the fans informed and, and obviously it turned sour to a degree uh, but with Brayford and Clough and even Jim Phipps to a certain degree but I remember being quite optimistic at that particular point that we've got this new sort of co-owner and uh, you know bringing these players in who seem to want to play for us and Clough obviously had a fantastic start yeah um, definitely yeah and the, the yeah that's the other thing with Brayford was that he was only on loan you know he was the worst case scenario for him. I mean, it would be so easy for him to just come and like kind of doss it off, really, and then go back to Cardiff. Who mm. I think were a championship, weren't they? Not Premier League at that point. No, the they? championship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just yeah. doss it off, get some fitness or whatever, and then go back to your, you know, your well-paid club or whatever. But he, he that's what I mean. Kind of what you were saying there. He didn't have to put that extra effort in outside of the football, if you know what I mean. He and he did, and I really, really appreciated that. But he did also try on the pitch. I mean. Uh, going back to that, uh, the Fulham away game, um, he played a. Ma- this isn't. It doesn't make the highlights, but he wins the corner that we end up scoring from at the end of extra time, and it's and he, he wins it by going on this massive lung bursting run down the right, as I remember it. Mm. Um, and he so this is in like the hundred twentieth minute or something. So he's, you know, he played the whole uh, the whole game. He wins the corner. He goes down with cramp, and the physio's right there. And he, he gets up and waves him off. He's like, no, bugger off, bugger off. Because yeah. I know him, obviously, I'll have to, he'll have to come off the pitch if he gets treatment. Um, and I do remember the United fans, like, going wild at that. Which, again, I think speaks to how low we all were yeah. At, yeah. at this point, I suppose. But I remember being like, yes, good lad. You know, you can hear everyone singing Easer Blade on the, you know, on the sort of uh, fan-captured footage and stuff. And then, of course, the cross comes in and uh, uh, the corner comes in, Maguire heads it down and Miller heads it in. Yeah. And... Yeah, he uh, he scored that great. Um, I mean, it wasn't a great goal because it was deflected, but the goal against Charlton in the uh, FA Cup quarterfinal as well. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. that was the definition of scenes. I think when that hit the net, like of all the it, people like... to score, he he was so well liked at that point. And the only reason I didn't pick him is simply from when we signed him after, and it never really happened again, did it? So I've got some footnotes on this, um, and I yeah I think he's thought about slightly unfairly because I, I agree got... with that yeah I agree that the first season he was signed permanent under cloth he was still one of our better players despite not being as good as he was if you know what I mean mm. yeah so he was uh, you know he got injured um, playing centre back I believe against Swindon in the playoffs yeah. wasn't it and you know that was he, he literally put his body on the line trying to stop a goal I think and then you know got absolutely clattered the and... fact he was playing centre back. Oh, mm. <laughs> yeah, and let's let's not talk about who was playing centre back in the second leg as well. If in, yeah, indeed, I'm not even sure it. anyone was playing centre back. Um, and and also maybe sort of thought about slightly unfairly because we spent too much money on him, which is yeah. again not his fault. I mean, that was that was weird. I don't know if you remember that. I was um, we were away at Preston yeah. in the FA Cup the next season. I think when it was like, I don't know if it was announced, but it, it obviously became known I guess and everyone's like singing Brayford songs and stuff before the match mm. um, we apparently paid one and a half million for him which given our situation was insane is that my right he came the same day as Coots as well we didn't know anything about I think so yeah either Coots or Freeman I remember suddenly we had a, a we had a bunch of right backs suddenly yeah that, uh, that was so we... bad squad building because we had Ryan Flynn at right back so yeah. Clough thought, oh, I probably don't want to play Flynn all the way through. I know, I'll buy three right-backs. <laughs> yeah, and we'll pay one and a half million for one. Which... Yeah, and have a perfectly good one in Kieran Freeman who could have done a job. But anyway, yeah. 
as it turns out, yeah. Um, final note on um, Brayford, and it's his own words, but you know, I'll, I'll take him at his word. He did say he took a pay cut to join us as well in League One, so good job by him. I liked him, the beard, the uh, dress sense, let's say. Yeah, yeah, a bit <laughs> his, of a, his a prop- completely non-stereotypical footballer choice of vehicle. Yeah, always, uh, always enjoyed those pictures, and uh, yeah, some some good moments as well. So he's, you know, I feel like. I sort of felt a little bit strange picking him as my number one cult hero against some of the other names we've uh, certainly that you've brought up, um, as well as uh, as well as the ones on my list. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he's the one I go back to and think like, do you know what? I'm really glad that he played for us at that point, and I yeah. appreciate everything yeah. he did on the pitch and off it as well. So yeah, he was uh, John Brayford was my number one choice. Quick break to hear from one of our sponsors, the Dem Blades fanzine. Like so much of the world, the first fanzine of 2020 has been delayed by coronavirus. But as soon as things start returning to some version of normality, it will be winging its way to you. In the meantime, they're announcing the second Dem Blades writing competition with a £50 cash prize for the winner. This year, they're asking fans to tell their greatest Blades story in a thousand words or less. It could be an outlandish expedition watching the Blades away an exuberant anecdote from those promotion-winning days, or even a depressive tale from the worst times. They want your best Blades story. The judges for this year's competition will be Kate Balaga, who is Deputy Football Editor at Sky, Danny Hall, the author of One of Our Own and We're Not Going to Wembley, and Chief Carrier Bag Firm Correspondent for the Demblades fanzine, Phil Rose. You can find more information at demblades.co.uk. Get your submissions in to hello at demblades.co.uk and the closing date is June the 1st. Now back to the podcast. To wrap up then quickly, uh, do you want to just quickly run through some honourable mentions that maybe we've not, yeah, not gone through? Yeah, people I sort of tied with Lee Sanford. Yeah. Who I thought was solid, uh, underrated. Uh, Dallas, we didn't see enough of him and he obviously went mm. to far better, but he were, he were brilliant like in terms of skill and stuff. I wrote down Chris Kamara just because he is Chris Kamara and people forget he played <laughs> for us. Paul McGraw only played 12 games that were excellent. Got Kozluk, as you uh, obviously added in as well. He was there basically all the way through from my childhood to adult years. Uh, mm. John Arley, who I thought were brilliant in his first long spell but never hit the high. I love Keith Gillespie. They were a game... Keith Gillespie had five or six spell in the Premier League where he just mm. rolled back the years and were a joy to watch. Uh, Matt Hill, who, again, a bit yeah. like Porter, not the best player, but everything put everything into it weirdly better at centre half even though we're like smaller than Schoolgirl. yeah and now head of a coffee empire or whatever it is. yeah now yeah head of yeah head of international coffee so uh <laughs> jake wright i don't know if that counted see yeah somebody said jake wright to me on twitter when i said we were doing this and i, I that's a weird one i i don't consider him a cult hero i don't feel like I don't know. I just feel like he was a more like a. He was obviously a good just player, good. very just good, like a good luck charm almost. Like yeah, well, he went know, like not, four thousand games on beat. Anyway, so. Exactly. Not to uh, not to diminish his uh, ability or uh, achievements for us, which are fantastic, and I completely respect that. But he, I think he was just missing one of the essential qualities, like an emotional connection of like yeah. That would qualify him as a cult hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then the, the, the one that I, I really were quite close to putting him in for some reason because I always liked him was Sean Miller, who you just mentioned in the. the yeah, yeah. Uh, he got rocked by injuries. Um, but did, yeah. I remember like there were a spell with him and Dave Kitson up front, and mm. it sounds awful now, like what we've got, but really quite excited by it because I really liked Miller. He would 
buzzing around, a bit like Pesky Solido in a way, like mm. buzzing around all over the place and stuff. And I always felt like he would create something, um, but obviously we're rocked by injuries. And then um, obviously he, he, he uh, did we sell him? Where did we sell him to? Grimsby or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I always felt like he had a bit of potential to be a bit higher, and it never really happened. But I did like. I think. I think before that injury, definitely did. There was. I'm sure there was a spell, um, kind of kicking off with that Fulham game where he was really hitting the back of the net quite regularly. And some. I seem to remember some really good strikes yeah. as well. And then I feel like he. I either saw him score a great goal in a home game, and then he got injured immediately afterwards, or he got injured in that home game. Yeah. And, he got injured a lot of times, to be fair. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really liked him. He went to Coventry in the end. Uh, okay. Um, what about yourself? Couple... Who did you go for? So few. Um... He almost made my list actually, and I'm, I'm surprised you're not mentioning him. Michael Doyle. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what to do with Michael Doyle. I like him as a person. Yeah. I like it. I like the way he speaks. I thought he was fantastic in that first league one season. I thought it were a bit unlucky. It were really, it were really good under Clough as well, actually. Um, in in club's first season, but I just associate him with failure. <laughs> yeah, this is. Yeah, I, I ultimately didn't make the cut. I he to me is like the ultimate limited but enthusiastic kind of player. Yeah. I I can't I can't remember really more than like two or three times thinking Doyle was really good today. Um, I think he was against Charlton in the FA Cup. Final. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it was actually pretty good against uh, oh, the other one, uh, Villa. Uh, okay, I didn't get to see that game. Yeah, we're good against Villa as well. And I remember Clough picking him out after saying, and Clough praised him all season, then basically dropped him for the season yeah. after. And then he disappeared. I think he had an argument with Clough. But he's got, he's, I've got a lot of time for him as a person. Yeah. I, I just associate him with that awful period, basically. Yeah, he cared, didn't he? He I mean, did. He, was a he did. Could definitely say really cared, and he was, you know, that that was uh, a sweet moment when uh, when we did beat Charlton, and he was interviewed afterwards, and he, you know, he started to fill up a little bit, didn't mm-hmm. he, in that interview with like, you know, all the all the crowd singing and stuff behind him. Um, but I, I don't know. There's something. There's something. Just, I, I think I just lacked a bit of an emotional connection with Doyle. Like he was, he was ever present through several years of crap, as yeah. you said. Yeah. Um, you know, he he played almost every game during that period, two hundred and thirty one yeah. appearances for us. Um, I hated us a lot of times that <laughs> during yeah. that period. There are a lot of times where I'd have been happy to see the back of every single player, unfortunately. Yeah, indeed. Um we should mention, of course, the final penalty to beat West Ham in the League Cup. Oh gosh, Park, yeah, I forgot about that, the, yeah. Uh, and then the the Cockney Walk celebration afterwards, which whatever you think about Michael Doyle, whether you think he's a Terrible footballer, or yeah, someone who belongs in this discussion. That was a brilliant moment, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely live long in the memory. But yeah, he, did, he didn't make the cut for me. Um, Stearman was another one. Like, mm, I think. Yeah, I, more... I mean, sorry, I did write him as well. I thought I missed him out. Yeah. Yeah, more for his. Well, I mean, you know, he, he definitely uh, he never let us down when he played. I think that's a bit again a little bit of a uh, backhanded compliment. I think which doesn't do. I think the thing with Stearman, he's probably. He Possibly a bit too soon for him. I think maybe three or four years yeah. time, you will look back and think, "I would, yeah, good guy, Steve. I loved it. He's the, the ultimate professional, isn't he? Other than his drinking exploits, but you know that <laughs> the way he never moaned and stuff. Then he just came into the team towards the end of last season and just, you know, just breezed it, didn't he? Basically, when he when he came in for Egan against Forest and against Middlesbrough and stuff yeah. like that, he just looked every bit, you know, the the, the model Championship player. Yeah, I think that's a good point about the recency, actually. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Um, John Stead, uh, yeah. you know, another one who kind of burned brightly for a short period of time in the uh, 
in the Premier League season scored some uh, scored what would be thought of as amazing moments more than they are if yeah. we stayed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the equaliser at Charlton, uh, one of the uh, the maddest goal celebrations I've ever seen in that away end. I think for that one, mm. um, and then obviously scored it an absolute cracking goal against West Ham to make it three nil at home. These these should be thought about as uh, as moments that are like one of the best in United's recent history. But obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. We can't for nothing in the end. Um, I had Shipley as well. I had Geary as well. Devlin, uh, mm. Paul Devlin, we mentioned a couple of times uh, on the last podcast. Um, I just love watching him uh, for those couple of seasons under Warnock. You know, I was just like, just give Devlin the ball every single time. Like he's, <laughs> he's going to do something exciting. Like please, just give Devlin the ball. And I think. I feel like that was basically our tactic yeah, for a yeah. while. Just... Yeah, we had Devlin and Love on the wings, and when they were flying, we were an excellent championship team, weren't we? Yeah, certainly exciting. Um, and the other one, the final one, I'm going to mention, and he's, he he wasn't close to uh, being on here, but uh, David Unsworth, I think, might have made Ooh. my list if he'd not gone to Wigan and scored the penalty. If he hadn't relegated, it would have completely ruined our dreams and made us going to League One. Yeah, I think he's got a shout. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I didn't mind, mind Unsworth at all. I've got no nothing against Unsworth, to be honest. Uh, Although I did yeah. hear, and I can't remember. Did you hear about this with the Wednesday, where the Wednesday fans clapped him when they when they played against him for the next time, wherever it were. I think he played for. Did he play for Burnley after Wigan anyway? And um, and he and he clapped him back. So yeah, I'm not sure about. Uh, maybe not then. Yeah, yeah. forget it. Um, but yeah, Rhino uh, by name and by physicality as well. Obviously scored. I just really liked him as um you know as a left back in that promotion team. I know yeah. talks about Chris Armstrong obviously kinda of got displaced as a result, but scored scored the goal that pretty much sent us up, even if uh, Weber sealed it. Um scored the goal that sent us up and the goal that sent us down. <laughs> oh man. I, I I am fully aware of that. I just kind of blocked that out. It was like one more <laughs> one more twist of the knife of yeah. that season, I think. Oh, insane. Um, I still can't get my head around. We should do that season, really. Yeah, I think we might have to, you know, yeah. maybe with a stiff drink, but yeah. Um, did you, I, I forgot this, but do you know he came back as uh, Chris Morgan's assistant? Yeah. And um, I, I would, I, I, like I say, when, it, when that happened, I liked it. I liked them. I remember we played Jovel at home and my mate saying, I almost don't want us to go up because we're rubbish. Um, this were in the playoffs. But yeah. I want them two to do well, Morgan and Unsworth, because they seem like genuine lads who want to do well and stuff. So um, yeah. yeah, I don't think we had. I don't think most people had much ill, Ill will, did they? To and that's by the way, talking to Morgan, I, you could have had him, but I think he was just too good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, was he not like voted uh, most like best player of best captain or something? Yeah. Or something like that? yeah, yeah. Um, is that's got to be one of the hardest manager assistant pairings? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Since like, I mean, Big Dunk had. Uh, who did he have as his assistant though, Ferguson? Mm, I don't. Maybe it wasn't. He probably didn't. I didn't need anyone actually. Did he? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't need any backup. Big Dunk. No. Um, so that's it, mate. That's that's my full list. Any anyone else or have we? No, I think that's everyone? fine. There's loads you can have. Like I said, there's people like you know Curtis Woodhouse. I love for a little bit when he when he first came in and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll go through the programs and it's weird because as we're doing it, I was like thinking maybe we should do not a worse team, but there's so many bad players in there <laughs> that we've had. So these these <laughs> lads who we're like we're picking out now, it might seem like we we're sort of showering them with faint praise to a degree, but. Yeah. Far from it, because the are we've had some awful players, and these people at least gave us something to enjoy. 
Absolutely. Very nicely put. Uh, and final point before people, before you tweet me, I uh, did not start watching United until about 1994, So if there's somebody uh, that... Um, was playing before that, and you think, why on earth have you not mentioned them? Then? Yeah, I just didn't see them. It's yeah, I, say, I mean, I was ten year old or something, nine, nine or ten when we went down under Bassett. So I can remember certain things, but not enough to, you know. I, I mean, people will be saying like, you know, your Bob Buckers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But again, I think he's a proper hero, not the sort of hero we're going for. Uh, mm. But yeah, I'm sure people love their own. It'd be interesting to hear him, though. To be honest, I'd like the Dougie Austin thing. I do remember him, but it was only when I did a bit of re- looking through. And I thought, oh yeah, I remember him. Did a bit of research on him, and I thought this guy's amazing. So if people have got any, you know, other players that I'd, I'd love to to know about them. Yeah, absolutely. Tweet us at Panchero and at Bladespod, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up there, mate. So see if we manage not to make a three-hour podcast this yeah. time, so that'll. That'll definitely save on the editing for me, anyway, which is always uh, always welcome when the sun's shining. And yeah. I could be, uh, well, not doing that much, to be honest. Yeah, no one is, is there? Yeah. L- looking after a small child, I guess. It's perhaps a better use of my time. Yeah. But yeah, um, anything to uh, anything you want to plug apart from your Twitter, obviously? No, no, I'm not. I'm not doing anything. I can't be bothered. It's one of them sort of things where you're like, you've got loads of time, but you're just spending it doing things that I don't know about yourself. Obviously, you've got a kid and stuff, but just doing things, just playing Champ Man and watching rubbish YouTube videos and stuff, rather than doing anything <laughs> that could be considered quite productive. So, yeah, maybe I'll get bored soon and do something. But at the moment, I'm just I'm taking a a pre-season break. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I like it. All right, mate, let's leave it there. Thanks, as always, for your contribution to this. Uh, once again, really enjoyed doing it. And, uh, yeah, curious to see uh, what people think of our choices and, uh, yeah, what, what their choices would be for sure. So, um, yeah, we'll finish there. Thanks again. I will uh, talk to you later. Yep, cheers, mate. Thank you.